1: Yo, this is Tyler Bryant from The Shakedown. I've been hanging out with Jay Scott on the Hook Rocks.
2: table But I got so much to give I'm learning fast yeah I'm willing and able I Ain't too proud to admit I'm the vagabond dreamer And I ramble and yeah crossroads are my home and i never let someone get in the way no i never settled on anything well i never could have anticipated you
0: going on? How you doing? It's Jay Scott. It's The Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Always appreciate you stopping by. Uh, had some great shows recently, so hope you're all checking them out. But before we begin, as I always mention, we are part of the Pantheon Podcast platform, a great network of music-related podcasts. You can check out some of my buddies on the show or on Pantheon, like Carmen Peace and Vinnie Apice on the Hanging and Banging podcast. Martin Popoff, the rock historian. The Great Mistress Carrie out in Boston. Tom and Zeus on the number one rated Kiss podcast. Shout out Loudcast. Yes. Matt from the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast, as well as Chris and Aaron on Decibel Geek. Don't forget to follow Pantheon Pods at PantheonPodcast.com, as well as social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pantheon Pods, as well as you can follow The Hook Rocks on all those platforms at The Hook Rocks. So please search up those uh, social media platforms and give us a follow. Also, follow us wherever you do podcasts, whether it's Amazon, Apple, or Spotify. We're available everywhere. You can enjoy all 400-plus episodes we've done over the past three years. And set your app to automatic download so you get the latest episode right to your phone. We've had some great episodes recently, some great new music spotlights with the Ravagers and Bourbon House and the heavy metal band from Chicago, Ignescent, as well as Sam Bam Colton, who's on tour with Dorothy, amazing guitar player, so check him out, as well as Tyler Bryant, Tuck Smith as well. Tuck Smith has a new album coming out. Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown just released their new album So check out those two great interviews. We've also celebrated a three-year anniversary with Stephen Piercy from R.A.T., and that was an enjoyable conversation. And our live album review with UFOs, Strangers of the Night, and our legacy show covering Whitesnake and their career as well. Please check out all those and more. And we've got another great episode for you today. I always say they're great episodes because I always enjoy the conversations that I have with artists. And, uh, oh, speaking of which, don't forget to check out our, our audio expert Skylab talking about building a home recording studio in 2022. I got, got to mention that one because it's a great episode. And it's also pretty valuable for young artists and bands who want to stop paying for studio time and uh, the ease of use and flexibility, especially with technology these days. So check out that episode as well. But as I was saying that, uh, Had some really great episodes recently over the past couple months that I'm really happy about and really proud of. So it's going to continue with today's episode with a young emerging artist from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Her first album released last year, Underdog Anthems, was just absolutely fantastic. The girl can sing and she can shred and she can write a tune. And that's Jax Hollow. And uh, welcome to the show, Jax. How are you?
2: Hey man, I'm great. Y'all been busy. Shit.
0: <laughs> we are busy. We 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 uh we keep ourselves, you know, we, we don't waste any time here, Jax.
2: Nah, for real, dude. The artist that you're naming off, I'm just like, damn, he's like popping off like Tyler Bryant and Dorothy. I'm like, holy shit, dude, that's amazing.
0: Well, um, yeah, it, it it's it's a lot of fun, and um, uh, it's nice to interview. The the that I'm a fan of, uh, and yeah, um, I can't believe, believe we've done over 400 episodes. So it's it's kind of wild.
2: That is very wild. Three years, 400 episodes. That's that's pretty uh, pretty badass, man.
0: Yeah, we love talking, or I love talking music. Um, it's one of the, my favorite things to do. So anytime I get a chance, whether it's three, four times a week, once a week, whatever, I will always take that opportunity.
2: Even after a surgery?
0: <laughs> Even after a surgery, yes. Yep. yes. Yep. I was recording episodes in the rehab center that uh, I was in. I was like, you know what, I need to do something. Amazing. Nurses are like, what's
2: going on in there?
0: <laughs> I'm telling the nurses, like, do not disturb me for the next hour. I'm, uh, right. I'm doing something here on Zoom. But yeah, I had to keep myself busy, which is was very beneficial because when you're doing that and you're keeping yourself busy and you're talking music, you kind of forget about what's going on, which is a good thing. But yeah, it, it helped me heal and uh, got a couple more weeks of recovery left. And then it's, uh, it's no stopping me.
2: Dude, nothing's stopping you, man. Yeah.
0: Well, nothing's stopping you. Cause you've got a great new album released last year. You've got new music coming out in 2023 and it's absolutely fantastic. And we're going to get into all that. But before we begin, I always ask the same first question every time we have a first-time guest. And that's really what we're about here on The Hook Rocks. And my listeners know that they always they always enjoy this question because every answer is always different, uniquely different. And that is just like every rock song that has a hook that sucks you in. Every rock band has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a performance, or a band that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you?
2: A, a real live moment or just me like fumbling When did you through connect YouTube with rock When did you kid? connect with music? Oh, I wish I had like a cool, like, man, like this lightning strike hit me, but it really was just like I was on YouTube and I like, back in the day when YouTube didn't have rules and you could just post a bunch of like bootleg shit and no one got flagged, I saw like this performance of like Zeppelin just playing like this weird song, Boogie with Stew. I don't know. <laughs> and I was just like, bam. That was it. It was, like, it kind of boring in in terms of, like, you know, nothing monumental, like, looking, but just, like, that energy. I was, like, yep, that's right. I want to be Jimmy Page, but, like, in chick form.
0: That's not... Anytime there's Led Zeppelin moments, that is not a boring story. That is a monumental (laughs) story. Anytime there's... Especially Led Zeppelin bootlegs. I am a Led Zeppelin bootleg collector. So, I feel... I feel it from you, you know, and, and if, if you ever get a chance to go back on YouTube, search up Song Remains the Same, live mm-hmm. in 1977 at the LA Forum, I believe it is. And the first song they do, it's not live in 77, the first song they do is Song Remains the Same. And I promise you, you will hear drumming that you have never heard before. John Bonham is on another planet he's in another reality on that song his fills go completely to the edge and somehow, <laughs> somehow he makes it back in on time perfectly it's just Dude. absolutely incredible
2: He's, have you ever like just watched his like face and just been like, is he breathing and like exhaling and inhaling at the same time? His like mouth is wide open and you can't tell. Sometimes yeah. <laughs> He's it's got incredible. the most interesting face. It's like, he's in pain. He's not. He's just like, totally like, he's just a God. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And there's a, there's a drum track of Fool in the rain on YouTube. Mm. And it was a, it's a funny story because I was listening to it with my son who's 17 and I'm playing it for him. And he goes, well, dad, all that is, is just a loop. And I go, that's no loop, son. That is, I'm <laughs> doing it with, with just perfect timing and not looping it. He's doing that for however long the song is. They didn't have loops back then. Yeah. yeah. So as far as your musical journey, Boogie with Stu, Led Zeppelin, you know, was your first introduction to music. But where did it go from there? I mean, you picked up the guitar, you absolutely shred You've got an incredible voice. You got incredible songs. What was the next step for you?
2: Well, damn, thank you, man. That means a lot coming from you. I appreciate that. It's uh, all next true. Step. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. It's it's a you know it's the strange in between period when like you've recorded like the best shit you've ever like written in in like you know and you've recorded it with like the best musicians in Nashville at like one of the best like studios you could possibly record at and you're just sitting on it and you're like okay what now you know that's like i'm in a very very strange limbo phase where i'm just like can i just release all this and like you know just start right away but you know you got to like plan stuff out and like figure things out and talk to people and meet people and it's like a whole thing but um yeah I man i'm like so fucking stoked for wherever this record goes. I mean, I it really is like you know, it's too my own horn, but like, I it's it's the best work I've ever done. And um, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time on these songs, like unhealthy amounts of time. <laughs> you know, uh, some of them have been rewritten. Some of them just like pop right out, and you're like, fam, nice. But like, every song. I mean, you know how it is. Every song is like birthed in a strange way. And, and um, I just, I can't wait to show people, but I don't know. I have to wait. I have to be patient. You know, that's, that's a thing, right? Patience.
0: It's all about timing. It's all about, yeah. you, know, where you're at, you know, and, and uh, the perfect time to release the music. And, you know, if you got people around you that are, that are you know, working towards the same goal, which I believe you do, it, uh, it's probably the most important thing.
2: Mm, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Great people. Great, great team. Great, uh, sort of like a direction, but just, uh, timing, you know, and distribution. I don't know, like, again, like independent artists, like a lot of the guys you've been hanging out with and talking to incredible artists, but it's like a lot of them are independent still, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Well, I believe, I mean, Tyler Bryant just went independent on his new record. Mm, In the interview, he talks about how it gives them more freedom to Mm -hmm. put out what they want when they want to do it. They don't have to wait for a schedule, you know, for a management company or for a record, most likely a record company, you know, because they have their schedule of what they want to release over a certain period of time. They can just release it whenever they want. Um, They can release tracks that they never released on, you know, the albums that they recorded whenever they want. So mm. it really is beneficial. I mean, when I talk to artists that you know, are independent, I don't know, they they seem a lot happier. They seem a lot more in control of their own destiny. And with the conversations I've had with the, over the 3 years I've been doing the show, I've heard off the record horror stories. I've heard great stories though when when people go independent and I think there's a reason. I believe with all the conversations I've had and all the people that I've met through this show, that being an independent artist in today's age, in modern music is really the way to go. Now what replaces that record deal that everybody wants to chase after is a good management deal because Mm -hmm. really where the direction goes is really in management. If you have a good management company that is really supportive and, and really working to help you instead of hinder you, that's probably the most important thing. I mean you think of Dirty Honey, for instance.
2: Mm-hmm. They're,
0: in they're still independent. And
2: yeah, but but they've got they're under the wing of like the black crows guys, right?
0: The management company, I believe, maybe, yeah. Mm. But again, it's management. They don't have a record deal. They they everything is independent. And I asked, I had John Notto and Tyler Baker from Goodbye Junan on the same show and it was a great episode Mm. and I asked him I said is there ever is there ever a, a chance or an opportunity that you'll you know sign with a record label and he kind of shrugged his shoulders casually and he said if it makes sense but right now we have a great team a small team around us that is really working towards you know helping us and get to the next level that when you get into with a record label, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they want it to be what, what they want it to be instead of what you want it to be.
2: Hmm. I've got a confession to make, though.
0: What's that?
2: Speaking of Dirty Honey, I've got the biggest crush on Mark Rebell. Are you kidding me? I'm like, Whew, that man. Oh, beautiful man. His voice is like.
0: Whew. He does have a, a great voice. Uh, he does have a great you know he is a good looking guy too as well um and uh he was um he was actually one of our first guests here god three years ago almost four well no it's october 2019 so yeah around three years ago but they're great they're fantastic but again oh yeah i've
2: seen them they came to nashville i saw them uh and and uh uh wolfgang uh They were, uh, I guess someone got like COVID and they like still went, they still played a marathon and there was a sliver of a chance that I was going to open for them and it fell through and, but, oh, like there was that little sliver because they're like, well, you need an opening back in uh, opening again in Nashville. And there was a connection that we had and I was just like, let's do it. And then they didn't choose me. And I was like, oh, it'll happen.
0: (laughs) It'll happen. It'll happen. Jax. It'll, it'll, it'll come through. Um I'll be in Nashville first week in November. Butch Walker's playing at the Brooklyn Bowl. That and I'm gonna go check that out. Cool. So he's an artist you gotta see live.
2: Dude, when when is that? What November it's
0: November 1st.
2: Shit, dude. All right. I'll I'll fucking tag along if you uh if you don't mind.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I've got yeah, a buddies coming in, one of my friends from LA and another friend from Chicago. And, um, we're definitely going to hit that show because Butch is, there's, th- there's two people, there's two types of people in the world. Those that know who Butch Walker is and those who haven't heard of him yet.
2: Nice.
0: So he's fantastic. All
2: right, dude, I'm there. I will check All him right. out.
0: I'll email you before, uh, before I hit the road down there. So, um, absolutely. But at the Brooklyn Bowl, November 1st.
2: Uh-huh. Sounds good.
0: So getting back to what we were talking about, though, you know, you mentioned Boogie with Stu. And where did music really kind of continue for you with guitar playing, with singing? What was the next step after you saw that?
2: Well, the next step was uh, being super competitive in middle school and uh, going to a hippie school in Western Massachusetts. (laughs) And uh, there was like 30 kids per grade in like the middle school and high school I went to. And we all just like, it's kind of, uh, we just picked up guitars and instruments and uh, whoever could come in with the coolest riff kind of like got, you know, bragging rights for the day. So I would like try the hardest Zeppelin riff. I'd play over the hills and far away, like a million times on a guitar until like I could come in and play it. And then someone would one up me the next day and then I'd come in with a harder riff. And so, uh, yeah. Probably just out of competitiveness.
0: <laughs> was there a uh, a moment when you when you wanted to be you know a recording artist like a a singer songwriter? You wanted to perform, or was that just always there from the beginning?
2: Mm, yeah, that kind of uh, came into um fruition. Like speaking of hippies, I don't know. Uh, it, it's just randomly ha- like the I don't know things just like align. And for some reason, out of all the places in the world, there's this woman named June Millington who's part of Fanny. I don't know if you know Fanny, they're like one of the first female rock bands mm-hmm. ever. And uh she actually just did this uh amazing like uh, documentary, and I think I think they're they're releasing it soon. Um but um it she happened to have like this rock and roll like camp thing just for like young women in music and like random place Goshen Massachusetts and I as a teenager I was like I stumbled upon it because when my friends went to it and it like changed their life and I and I went there and all of a sudden there was like this safe space where I like discovered songwriting it was uh it's like this amazing just like piece of like music heaven where you can just go and be like a strange your strange creative self and like experiment with music and like and then community and and uh it's just this place where there's guitars all over the floor and and good food and great vibes and that's where I wrote like my first songs and I just completely fell in love with it you know
0: what was first for you, the guitar or singing or, or writing lyrics?
2: Guitar was first. Uh, remember, because, you know, I wanted to be a female Jimmy Page. <laughs> and, uh, and then um, I actually was really against singing. I didn't sing for like the first two years when I played guitar. I was like, ugh, singing. I can't sing. And um, at IMA, there was this woman, I'll never forget her, her name is Melanie Damore. And she was a vocal coach that would come into the Institute for Musical Arts. And um, she like pulled me aside one day and she was like, you're going to sing. And I was like, ha, what? Who do you think you are? And, and she forced me to sing one time. And I was so frustrated. And, you know, I'm I trying to be this tough, this tough little girl. And, I, and I, I like broke down crying because like I was so like, it just made me so uncomfortable. Like, I hated my voice. I hated the way I looked you know, all of the middle school, like, you know, or teenage things, you know, and after that breakthrough of her forcing me to sing, um, she's like, yeah, you're going to be a singer. And I was like, I didn't believe her, but I think eventually, um, when you sing enough, you start to not hate your voice. Maybe the threshold is like three years. I don't know. years of singing then you start to kind of be okay with listening to yourself sing but she was right melanie demore she's an incredible woman incredible singer she does amazing things um yeah see those are the people that just wander into the institute for musical arts in goshen massachusetts gail dorsey from like you know she played with david bowie like she just was there at ima like people just like come in like it's just wild it's a it's a cool Place,
0: you know, it's a place that shaped you, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. And I, I would do anything for those girls, those women. I would, you know, that I like. If if I ever like actually get somewhere where I I have money coming in, it's it's going it's going there, you know. <laughs> yeah.
0: What about writing lyrics for you? Is it personal experience? Is it observation? Are you trying to tell a story? Where do you get uh, your motivation or your inspiration for writing?
2: Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Like, it kind of comes from a lot of different places all the time at once. And as a songwriter, you just kind of have to, like, be open to catching little snippets, little songs, little ideas, little melodies, like, here and there. No matter... Throughout the day you know you're like on a treadmill or something and, and you get like you know a rhythm that you're tapping out on like the treadmill you know it's like um from all different angles all the time and then um you sort of I, in my in my opinion uh, a lot of the times it'll snowball into something a story an idea Uh, sort of like a thesis statement sometimes we're looking for you know composition Um, but it usually like takes on its own little form and you just have to sort of like manipulate that ball of clay into something that makes sense and and is true to what the initial reaction and the initial emotion was you know
0: how do you tap into that
2: It is so frustrating (laughs) because sometimes you get this 40 minute window of opportunity. That's like, Holy shit. I'm on top of the goddamn world. And you're looking down and you're like, like, why, like why right now? And it's just, you've got this full like connection lightning strike from like the tip of your finger down to like earth. And you're, you feel like nothing can stop you and you're like writing and then 40 minutes goes by and then like you kind of Peter out. And you're like, ah, oh, did I capitalize enough on this like inspiration moment?
0: Do you ever? when you are capitalizing on that, is it something you record on your iPhone? Do you are you in the studio, like waiting for it to happen, and it happens, or is it something like you start kind of thumbing around your guitar? And wh- what's the process for you?
2: Yeah, the the uh, phone is never far away if something like that is happening or probably really far away from me in general, <laughs> let's be real. But um, yeah, definitely voice memos is kind of like the saving grace, but also, you know, you got to think of like, yeah, I've, uh, you know, listened to podcasts and, you know, like listened to like the greats and some, a lot of the advice is like, you know, if it, if you can't remember it, then it wasn't good. It wasn't worth remembering, you know? And I guess, obviously, there's truth to that, too. You know, like, do I need to be so meticulous and, like, record every idea I have? No, but I do it. You know?
0: Well, it has to be a sense of, like, wonder. I mean, if you don't record something, because a lot of artists may record something, they put something down, and maybe it's just not right for the moment that you're in but a lot of artists go back to things when they're working on new material that maybe they have recorded several years ago and maybe that part that they played on guitar or hummed the melody may work in a song that they're putting together
2: yeah that's... So it's
0: always, yeah, it's always evolving. Right. I mean, it, it may not work for anything you're, you're into now or writing now, but eventually it may fit somewhere.
2: Right. So we're basically professional, like puzzle piece, you know, maneuvers, right. Like uh, I, that's, what's wild is uh, I had this, I totally forgot about it, but one time I was in New Orleans and I had like, I've been, I was like sitting outside and I wrote this like, jazz bit like this really complicated like finger picking jazz thing and it was really cool and I was like that's awesome and I voice recorded that and then I tucked it away and then you know a lot of artists when they go in the studio they're like well do I do I have any gems that I just kind of looked over and I went back and I was like I remember that one day I was in New Orleans and I just like played something and I played it on I like went you know scrolled for days on your like voice memos and I played it and I was like, whoa, there's like something here. This is capturing some kind of like emotion, melody. This is creepy and sexy at the same time. I really dig this vibe. And it ended up being uh, my song Ventriloquist, which is uh, going on the new record. Uh, so that's totally. And I know a lot of times guys won't dig those up until they're going back to the studio and they're like, Whoa. And it's that's a good sign if it like impacts you again, then you know you're onto something that's worth investigating you know
0: absolutely i mean how do you how do you create the connection though for something like that that was recorded however many months, however many years ago
2: oh like connection in like kind of re- reviving the song and like
0: actually completing it or but, well, both. I mean, that aspect and just connecting to it emotionally.
2: Well, I think that's what comes back to, like, what, like, I don't know, Paul McCartney and people say, where it's like, if something is, is strong, like, you can trust in the fact that it's strong and you'll come back to it and you'll gravitate toward it toward it. Like, have you ever, like, written something, put it away, and then you know, you're in the shower and you're humming something, you're like, wait a second.
0: Well, I I do have, you know, ideas. And then sometimes I'm like the worst at remembering ideas. So I do need to jot them down. And I do need to keep like track of them because like, it'll hit me like three months later. I'm like, oh, yeah, I was gonna do that. And I didn't. And I need to do that. So I'm not more or less, you know, musically inclined where I'm, you know, humming a melody. I'm more, like thinking of ideas for, you know, creating for the show or the podcast. Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, I, my mind is always, you know, working and, you know, working overtime usually. And I come up with these ideas and then I'm like, what was I thinking about yesterday? What was it? And I got to make sure I'm writing stuff down.
2: Yeah, definitely. So more like, uh, what's it called? Like left brain, right brain kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Have you, have you checked out that new uh, Broken Record podcast thing with Jack White? It's like a new
0: I have that I'm, I'm a huge uh, Jack White fan. I need to check it out.
2: Yeah. 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 You got to check that out. Because for one second there, he was talking about how he wrote Seven Nation Army. And it was so like weird because he was so um, analytical about it. He's like, well, I wanted to create like this you know, melody that, uh, you know, went somewhere that you weren't expecting it to go. And then I wanted to, you know, basically distort that and put this thing over it and not have it be like a guitar thing. And I was like, he, he goes into it like so, like, I don't know, like, like, he, like he's an engineer and you're just like, whoa, like there's a lot of engineering behind this art shit, you know, um, but um, at the end of the day, no matter how much math you do, It really is so frustrating and heartbreaking because it's like, sometimes it just strikes you and you're like given a gift. And, you know, I've sitting, I've had like sessions come up where I'm just like, this needs to happen now. And the more you force it to come out, man, it just doesn't come. I don't know. Maybe there's guys that have like a superpower, but I know like the best stuff I've gotten has just been like me sitting on a train track. You know, alone with the guitar, you know, it's just like, that's what makes it so exciting. because You just don't really know what you're going to get when you wake up.
0: There are artists, though, that do have that ability. And I've always wondered how they can tap into that stuff continuously.
2: You text me, you let me know. <laughs> if I get the reason, <laughs> I will let you know. Yeah.
0: What about staying connected with the music? I mean, you mentioned this album is finished for next year. How do you stay connected with music that is already recorded and yet to come out while you're still creating? I mean, you don't stop creating. You're constantly moving forward. You're writing riffs, you're writing lyrics. So there's things that you're getting excited about, but you have this album, this music that people have yet to hear. People have yet to absorb and respond to. And your headspace is kind of caught between both. how do you manage that? How do you navigate through that
2: yeah it's it's pretty hard, especially when like the first record is so like so different than the, the this record um uh first record you know i I did with Michael Wagner and he's amazing but it it's it's um it's a hard it's hard rock hard rock record you know and um but this one is like classic rock blues, rock, uh, singer, songwriter, Americana, man, the flavors are like, really, I, I really went out and like, cause I'm just like, who do I have to impress? You know, I just want to create music that I want to listen to, you know? Um, and it is hard to be in a spot right now where, you know, you can't really play stuff off the, all the I mean, the whole Europe tour that I just did with a solo Euro tour uh, was all the new music, you know, I felt like I could get away with playing. How
0: did people respond to that?
2: Dude, the response was cool. I gotta say <laughs> it was so cool because, you know, I know that a lot of people, couldn't understand like what I was saying just because like I talked kind of fast. And I realized that when you're in like Germany and stuff, you got to like not talk so fast because like, yeah, they, they speak really like everyone speaks like four languages and they're way better at it than you. And it's amazing. But like they were connecting with the music and even though I spent so much time, meticulous time with the lyrics, it, it really is it really is about the the vibe the 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 story the the energy and the uh you know taking somebody out of time and just being like uh experiencing something together even as just like a little solo looper show it it was i re- the response was really really cool man especially in like you know rural germany you know Some places I have no like business being just like playing and to like, you know, 30 people, 40 people. It's, I loved it.
0: The first album, like you said, produced by Michael Wagner, who's now retired. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was a rock record. And for those listening who haven't listened to Jack's yet, the guitar playing, the singing, like I said, in the beginning, was, was incredible were you okay with making that transition from that rock record into more Americana, more bluesy, classic rock style?
2: Oh yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think you'll be able to hear that. Uh, well, what I hope we do, especially as an artist is like, you hear me in every song, you know, if I created the song, I, probably that would, I don't know where I'm sorry. but, um, yeah, that it's it's like that one is harsher and harder just because, and also because the production was a little harder. You know, Michael's worked with like big like metal rock guys. You know, and um, and the Sound Emporium when I was recording it, you know, I had I had like uh, guys from all over. You know, uh, uh, people who've played with like Brothers Osborne. You know, drum, drummer uh, playing recording with Brothers Osborne, bass player recording with. Uh, um uh, and Wilson you know like all of these like uh variables and factors of just as as diverse as the new music is becoming um but yeah sorry I got sidetracked where was I
0: no you were just talking about going from that rock record to the record now I mean were you, were you okay with that evolution
2: I am. I I really I really love the evolution. I think, and the people I've worked with so far, the only people who have heard the record so far say that it's like it. That you can hear like they said. You can hear like the maturity in it. You know, I don't know if that's. Hope it's a good thing.
0: (laughs) Well, that's that's uh, one of the things that that's one of the things that I noticed in kind of the the preview that I was given was it was a lot more. You can tell that there's been an evolution you know with you as an artist and with songwriting. Not I mean and not to say what you've released so far was not, was wasn't good it's fantastic, but I always like to see where that artist goes after that first album as they move forward. I mean, there's only one band really that can sound the same on every album and ac Exactly. <laughs> and it still sounds absolutely fantastic, but they're an anomaly right they're not the norm you look at led zeppelin who we've talked about you look at their evolution from led zeppelin one all the way through in through the outdoor and mm-hmm. you know that was about 10 years of time a little bit over 10 years and just look at how different especially after led zeppelin two led zeppelin one and led zeppelin two are kind of the same there's elements mm-hmm. of the same but there's still kind of an evolution in two that really Went into Led Zeppelin 3, which was vastly different. But I right. think Led Zeppelin 3 created music. They created music on Led Zeppelin 3 that allowed them to make Led Zeppelin 4 and then right, right. The House of the Holy and all that stuff. Because I think that's why I think Led Zeppelin 3 is such an important album because it really diversified their music and had their fans accept it so they could move forward with that. So that was an interesting thing that they did, but yes, evolving is, is essential to an artist. Um, how do you keep evolving? How do you, what do you do? I mean, is it just playing? Is it listening to different stuff? Is it whatever the case is? How do you, how do you maintain that, that form of evolution? Yeah. Well,
2: well, just like, you know, with the, with the Zeppelin thing, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I've, you know, read like biographies and stuff because I'm a nerd. And and uh, you know, people were like pissed. They're like, how could you do that? How could you go from like this hard rock, like, let's like have sex in the back of the car, to like, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, like kind of like country sounding, you know, stuff. And I'm lucky because nobody really knows I exist. So <laughs> I can I can like find my song before people even know if they even know I exist so I kind of I kind of got a lot of more free reign which is more terrifying but for me I'm not really afraid of experimenting musically because I uh I'm lucky I have the tools you know to be able to uh you know dive deep and, and approach it from so many different angles um even though I haven't found the secret code that allows me to you know, get instant inspiration. But the evolution, in my opinion, has a lot come from just, uh, you know, being in my mid 20s and being like sucker punched half the time (laughs) with like life things happening, you know, breakups, fallouts, you know, people, you know, snakes in the grass, you know, I've been in, in doing all this independently, man, there is countless inspiration for people who like, come into my life and change it, and you're just like, holy shit, how could I have done any of this without you? You're incredible to people who, like, promise you the world and then literally just, like, pull the rug out and are like, oh, hey, sorry about that. Yeah.
0: Yes. I, I have I have heard <laughs> very familiar horror stories of what you're talking about, and who was I just talking with about that? I was... I think it was uh matt from the ravagers and matt came from biters with tuck smith which is a phenomenal band it's like cheap trick meets thin lizzy nice and just a fantastic band and they got screwed over and i asked them the question i said why do why do these people do this like why do they sign a band because they love how they sound and then once the ink is dry on the contract it's like a marathon of screw, in terms of just screwing over the artist or wanting the artist to sound like something different. Um, it's it's heartbreaking when you hear that as a fan mm-hmm. of these musicians and as these bands that they have to go through that stuff. They have to, you know, like you said, they deal with snakes in the grass. I I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard these stories and I just shake my head. And, like, why, why does this continue to happen? Why do record labels, people that sign these guys, once you get into you know the the office area and these meetings, it's about the algorithm. Well, we need a song that fits mm-hmm. these algorithms. Screw the algorithms. What's good is good. You know mm-hmm. and When you look at music over the last decade or so, mo- mainly the last decade it's all based on algorithm and in turn it all sounds the same and i'm not talking about rock music i'm talking about pop i'm talking about rap r&b and and some and, rock yeah some
2: rock music and, some, too, man, and yeah. some rock
0: too like with mainstream rock it sounds it sounds cookie cutter and it's because mm-hmm. they have this algorithm that they got to 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 you know kind of conform to and what happens is Well, here's the thing. Here's the secret that record labels don't understand about rock fans. Rock fans don't want that. Rock fans don't want to be spoon fed things that are predetermined by an algorithm on their listening habits. Rock fans have a sense of wonder. Rock fans want to discover new things. Some don't. Some are just focused on the classic rock and the same 50 songs they hear every day. And that's great. That's what they want. But the most of us don't adhere to an algorithm. Case in point, you know, look how many people go to these shows, you know, and in, in, whether it's the stadium tour, whether it's seeing all these other big shows or whatever, they're, they're largely sold out. I just saw Scorpions and Thunder Mother because I wanted to see Thunder Mother, this great Swedish yeah.
2: <laughs> rock
0: band. I love that. Band. I know
2: about them. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. And Scorpions, credit to them, brought them out based on the fact that they liked their music, not on the number of streams they had. And you know when I went to go see them in Chicago, it was close to eighteen thousand people they were playing for, and they gave them an hour set because White Snake pulled out of the show so hmm. instead of them just giving them a half hour, they gave him a full hour and it connected with the crowd and this these most of these people never heard of this band prior to going into the mm-hmm. show, so again, the algorithm doesn't work for rock and roll no, the
2: algorithm doesn't work for true artists i think like you know that's when you make the distinction of artist and uh business right and that's the the you know long-going like big struggle and and war is artist versus business you know and a true artist is somebody who's like totally fine you know like in europe one night i slept on a dog bed a literal dog bed (laughs) and then the next night i was at like this hotel in like brennan uh germany and it's like this most the most beautiful place i've ever been in my life and i was like last night i literally slept on a dog bed and that's like that's the biggest like thing of like that's the roller coaster ride of an artist you know and but with you know people like the scorpions you know bring it for them to bring somebody on for a big act to say yes i want this person this band to open for me that is bigger than anything i think you can get nowadays the recognition of an already established uh you know trusted like band to bring somebody up and be like no you guys gotta listen to this is more valuable than anything like you can't put a value on that you know
0: in terms of your own career, you know, with this new album coming out, are you okay with being independent and a do-it-yourself artist?
2: Uh, you know, I'm like open to working with people. I just I've been rejected so much dude. Like, I don't know why. I've had I've had things like almost pull through that could be monumental and I've just never gotten it quite right and I don't really know why and yeah it can be it's like heartbreaking and it's a we there's this, this strange transitional like phase where I'm just like do I really know what I'm doing fuck no I don't know what I'm doing but like is there somebody who would want to like go on this crazy journey with me you know like yeah I've got like I have people in my corner like incredible people and I'm like super super grateful and thankful for them and I I wonder if maybe that is the way to go just to have you know someone with authority you know instead of just being so independent and it's not totally by choice it's kind of just semi by choice but also because like people see me and they're like we don't know what to do with you most of the time and that's like they like encourage me and they're like don't stop what you're doing but we don't know what to do with you and that is so heartbreaking man because it's like if someone (laughs) yeah
0: What's the reason for that? Like, what, like, why do they say that?
2: Because they say you don't, like, what do we do with you? Where do we put you? You're, you've got, you know, especially with the new record, well, I've got Wallflower Girl in Bloom, which is like this Americana song, you know, violin, banjo. And then I've got like, you know, bangers and, you know, Ethereal Emerald, which starts, you know, it's like Zeppelin meets, it's just, they don't know what to do and I don't know what to do. And it's, it's just like, you just got to put it out there and see what happens. Cause there's no other option. Sometimes. Boy, you know? I also
0: think too, you you know, it's kind of short sighted to say that, like they don't know what to do with you. They, they, I mean, there's always going mm-hmm. to be different tones on an album, different types. I mean, very few albums have a you know continuing sound throughout. Um, some do, some don't. You know, when you when you look at or or from album to album, you know, per se, um, it's a different sound and it's a different tone. And I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is, but I just think it's it's indicative to where the record industry is. That they want something. They want a safe bet, you know, they they want something that, you know, if they're going to assign them, assign an artist they want to make sure that the odds of this artist having a song that people connect with or people, they, again, it's based on an algorithm, right? They, they, they hit, they hear the algorithm as they're hearing an artist like yourself. I'm like, Oh man, it just doesn't fit.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you what though, dude, like they want to say that, but I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I can tell you how many bro country guys with their, you know, Bass Pro, like, you know, baseball cap on, like, I can tell you, like, 50 of them. And it's just, like, they want a safe bet. But, like, man, do they really want a safe bet? Like, I I, I don't know, man. I Isn't that boring?
0: Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, I fight this battle because I promote a lot of new music on this podcast. And, you know, it's frustrating when I have friends of mine who... Won't listen to anything new, but then I'll send them a link, you know, to a song. Oh, this is pretty good. Well, yeah, it's like, of course it is. That's why I listen to it. Cause it's good. You know, and if you keep listening to classic rock all day, you're not going to hear this stuff, but you know, whether it's you, whether it's, you know, Tyler Bryan's new album. I mean, listen to that. I mean, it's got, a song where they got spoons and forks in the background that they're playing on, you know, <laughs> and then they've got a couple rockers like, like you have, but it's a fantastic album. Um, you know, you look at the goodbye June album that came out earlier this year, which is one of my favorites, if not my favorite album for this year, you know, from their mm. previous album community. in it was just plug and play. They, they had, a, it was produced by Paul Moak. And, um, it's just a kick-ass record. I think when people complain about rock music not being mainstream anymore, or the you know why don't why aren't they on commercials? Why aren't they performing at the Super Bowl? Why doesn't the Grammys you know show the Rock Award? You know what's up with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Why is this artist in? I I, I don't think we can concern ourselves with those entities anymore because they're just going mm. to do what they're going to do, and and I always bring up this quote, and I name drop Nick Reese from Joyous Wolf, great band out of L.A. Mm, yeah,
2: yep.
0: You know, he said because I had him on with Guernica Mancini, the singer from Thunder Mother, and he goes, "I'm." He goes, he said, he said this, and I and I kind of exchanged my perspective. We don't need rock and roll to be mainstream. We don't need it to be this big, huge entity, because rock and roll now is for the fans. It's the fans' music. It's not. Yeah anything else and to kind of piggyback off that it's not based on algorithm it's not based on cookie cutter music it truly is and if rock and roll ever became mainstream i think music that we love would be ruined because then the algorithms come in then you got to sound like this oh we know what's best they forget the fact that rock and roll got there without those algorithms that's my point so i just i think I think rock and roll is kind of left out on its own right now. And I think that's fine. I think that's that's good because I do think rock and roll is popularity is growing from the shows I saw pre pandemic to the shows I see now.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's always been feral like that, dude. Rock has always been the outsider, the black sheep, the, oh, I see what you're doing there. Look at this counterculture. Like that has always been at the heart of what rock is. And it's nothing is changing that in that sense and that's a great thing but like it's totally changed now with this I I kind of call it like revival rock I don't know I, I don't know if that's like the right term but like it's got that biting spirit and like that sexiness that like drew rock like the first time you heard why do you like rock oh it's biting it's sexy it's awesome like yeah you know it's got that energy it's got that thing you know
0: And when you compare it to rap and pop music, which is all put out by record labels or, you know, the popular stuff is they don't have the freedoms now that rock artists have, you know, you want to go write a song, Jackson, you want to put it on an album. No one's going to, no, one's going to say, no, I don't like it. I don't think it should be on the album. You believe in it. You want it on there and it's good. Right. I think once you get, to a certain level of popularity you start to lose that freedom depending on where you're at with a record label you know for Tyler Bryant to go independent after years of making records on a label and have him say it gives us the freedom to do what we want when we want to do it however we want to do it is is where that where it is for for rock music and i think that's a great thing because when we didn't when we had these bands on record leaves, especially some of the bands that were out there, it's it did sound the same. And I don't want that. I don't want it to be cookie cut. I want to, I want to know the difference between a dirty honey, a joyous wolf, a Dorothy, a Jack's hollow
2: hmm. and
0: a struts. You know, I want to hear that. Yeah, difference. dude. I want to hear do that think, identity.
2: Do you think that's, do you think what's crazy is like our platform for like Kind of like distinguishing like you know acts that you should like listen to with like revival rock stuff are people like you and like you know all all things blue southern rock considered podcasts like stuff like that i it I think it's kind of dope, you know, like I heard about a bunch of people through them through like different podcasts, like some of my friends are on their those podcasts, and it's just like, wait, we are kind of creating something you guys are kind of creating like you know. community of like sort of it's not underground it's just like I don't know it's there's something happening there is something happening here and it's cool and I I just hope it keeps going. I believe
0: so right it's become underground Mm -hmm. and underground adds to that excitement right this is oh most people don't listen to this this is cool Mm -hmm. I remember when I was growing up and Rock and roll was kind of in the same spot before MTV got a hold of it. And it was underground. It was dangerous. It was on the edge. And then to my point, once MTV got a hold of it, after a few years, rock became more about what you looked like than what you played like. Hmm. And it got completely out of control. And then the grunge movement came and it went from this party glammed up style of music to very serious very you know important lyrics love that era but it it was the yin and the yang you went so far one way eventually it had to be brought back the other way but now i think it's just record labels and the music industry has their heads up their asses with what people like and keeping people in this never ending cycle of the same stuff that when a young kid hears something that's different, that's dangerous, that sounds really cool, that, that has that power core that just connects with them instantly. Hmm. And it's like you said, it's that middle, middle finger, it's that counterculture. As kids get older, they kind of go back to that forum, that, that style of music because it's connecting with them.
2: Yeah. Makes them feel like badass.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, think about it. When you go to a big box store like Target and you hear music, it's background music. Right. You don't really pay attention to it, but it's there. But it's all pop music. It's all, you know, what's popular rock and roll. You're never going to hear, you know, you're never going to hear a Jack's Hollow song in Target or a Joyous Wolf song in Target or Hmm. Tyler Bryant song in Target
2: dude i did hear a jade bird song at like walmart the other day and i was like girl i was like i was really excited because and it only takes just like you know some people like jade bird just to have that little you know when she had she put out a new record it wasn't as like you know uh biting i think and like rock is like that the other one but like i heard one of those one like her older stuff in like a walmart or something and i was like it, all it takes is that little crossover, and then people start nodding. And they're like, "What's ha- what, what's going on over there? What's happening?" And then record guys are like, "Oh shit, there's a lot of money to be made here." Okay, what are we gonna do? Maybe that's
0: that's how it works. Yeah, you know. But but again, it's it's like, oh, there's a lot of money to be made here. Let's do it and let's try to change the artist too while we're doing it. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, there's that internal conflict of the artist and the business. <laughs> yeah.
0: True, true, but you know years ago, they used to give you two, three albums to kind of develop you and grow you. now you've got one song, so that's why you know independent, I think, for rock music for a rock artist is is really the way to go and, and find mm-hmm. and, and get a good management team that surrounds you and here's the other thing I don't know why I don't know why bands and artists, and maybe they do, maybe you've had a different experience than what I've observed but why isn't there more of a conversation between young bands that tell people stay away from this entity, stay away from this label, stay away from this. This is who we're working with. We're having a lot of success. They do a really good job. I don't know why there's not more conversation like that. You know, I mean, when you, when you have a contract put in front of you, I think it's, I think it's on you to a certain aspect kind of do your homework on who you're signing up with. You know what I mean?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, of course. But you know, there's a lot of things I assume that happen that have to be hush hush too, you know, and uh, for a lot of different parties sakes, I, I guess.
0: Well, you can always do the hypothetically.
2: We should have to <laughs> work
0: with this person.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, but I, I don't know. I just think that there's, and again, maybe it's wrong with what I've observed, but I have talked to young artists, young bands, and they have said that there's a community, a, a more supportive community out there. So I don't know, you know, maybe it can happen, maybe it won't, or maybe, it, maybe it just isn't at that level yet.
2: Maybe it's kind of like with what you guys are doing with the podcast and giving like legitimacy to what's happening uh kind of maybe there's some like crazy millionaire who comes around is like hey i want to like you know rally all these amazing like kind of like revival rock bands together and throw a bunch of money at them for them to do what they want and um we'll all just sort of like tour and be together yeah i don't know but you know that could be it'd be cool to, to legitimize it in like you know more extreme fashion too you know like some kind of mtv for what i assume back in the day did for music but like like you said there's a fine line of like not changing it but also letting artists be artists Hmm. but you know what the podcast genre has been doing awesome stuff for independent artists and uh and like you know i've discovered a bunch of artists through podcasts too and i i think that if nothing else that's that's pretty great I think.
0: I agree. When is this album coming out?
2: Uh I think sp- spring 2023. I think I'm going to release like three singles up until then. Uh again I'm I would love to like sort of have a plan and maybe like uh have a some kind of like release strategy team kind of thing i i am kind of still like shooting in the dark with this so i've got like a lot of friends and a lot of like people that i work with but like i don't have a strategy man i'm totally like it's just me and then the people who just support me uh which is wild to have strangers like donate to like your record it's like holy shit i don't deserve this (laughs) you know and it, it, it makes you but it gives you fire, you know, to make something incredible, you know, but it's just like, it is overwhelming, man. I, I kind of wish that someone would come in and, and, uh, and help a little bit in, in terms of releasing the album. Cause I, I don't know what I'm doing, you know?
0: Well, you're, you're the artist you're supposed to create, you know, that's the, one of the biggest differences about, new bands today is they live in that grind and Mm. they are not just artists creating music. They have to be social media experts, promoting experts, all that stuff. Mm. So that's one of the unfortunate things is you do have a lot on your plate and on your shoulders being an independent, being a new emerging artist, because if you don't do it, fortunately, no one else is going to do it. And I think that's where the biggest struggle lies with new bands, new artists is the time it takes that you have to be on social media to try to get a connection with an audience and feed into an audience. And also you got to create music and you got to go play shows. So it is it is a, a mountain to climb. It's it's tough.
2: Yeah, but like the rewards at the top of that mountain, you know, even just to like be proud even just to like have a record that you're like totally proud of um even if it doesn't go anywhere and you've you've created something that would not have existed before like that that's monumental you know
0: i don't know if you'll find this comforting or inspirational but i saw a new emerging band last year in 2021 twice And both those shows, there was probably a total of 40 people there combined with both shows. They got a great slot on an opening tour, opening for a band on a tour this year, that they were playing to crowds every night, you know, 1,500 to 2,000 people. And a huge fan of the band. It was great to see that when they were playing 2021, I mean, they were struggling to find an audience. And now yeah. being on tour with this act, it's also kind of on the older side of the emerging bands in terms of they've been around for about a decade or so. That was the opener. But to see them playing in front of crowds, winning the crowds over, it can happen. You know, I mean, you can be, you can be at that point in one stage of your career where you can barely get people out to see you. And then, you know, within eight months, you're on a tour and you're growing your audience and you're selling merch and people at your merch table. And that, that, that's awesome when it happens and that can kind of propel you into that next level by doing that.
2: Yeah, man, that's so cool. Like the evolution is everything, you know? And I mean, obviously I dream about that every night. Um, that's yeah, man, that's it's powerful.
0: I always believe if it's the music is good, people will find it. And your music is outstanding. And um, <laughs> I think people are going to find it. You've only had one album two thousand twenty one I mean, yeah, should people be hearing it more people absolutely, but I think that's a great base for you to start with, and I can't wait for this new album because from what I've heard, it is fantastic, and I think it will connect and resonate with people, and I think it's going to be another building block for you in your career and moving forward,
2: yeah man, thank you that that means a lot. I needed to hear that thank you
0: it's um. It's like I wish one of the th- one of the things that I've said myself and people who I've talked to say, and I hate saying it, but I find myself saying it. If this was released 25 years ago, this would be huge. Or this would have been blah, <laughs> blah, blah. The sad part of it is it's true. And it should mean the same in the modern days it did from yesteryear in my opinion, because I believe what's good is good and what's good people should listen to and people should want to promote it.
2: Yeah, dude. At the end of the day, it's a song, you know, like if, if you believe in the song and like the, like everyone will buy into it, if it, if you believe in the song and the song is good, like, like I'll go through, like you go through like 20 songs to get one gem to put on the record. Like that is like you fought, People fight for these songs, you know, and 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 there's no denying, like, if a song is good or not, you know, it's just like, if it moves somebody, like, that is an insane thing to do. To like have a stranger come up to you and be like, "Hey, like that song, like means this much to me," and I'm, you know, it, 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 it that's like, it's intoxicating, and it's, it just, it, I don't know, it makes me feel like I have some importance on this like floating rock in space.
0: Before we wrap up, are you okay where you're at in your career and, and anticipating the new album? Are you... Are you Obviously, you know, you want to be known by more people. That goes without saying. But as it stands now, are you okay where, where you're at in your career?
2: Uh, nah, dude. I mean, like, I don't even have, like... <laughs> I'm, like, literally in my car outside of Dunkin' Donuts. Like, my phone's about to die. And <laughs> I'm, like, gotta go back to nashville because i'm playing downtown like literally tomorrow and i just got back from germany you know so i'm play like take another little piece of my heart now oh, baby tomorrow down on broadway like it's just i don't really know dude i'm like floundering and flopping around out here <laughs> i don't think so
0: <laughs> well hey the honesty is appreciated but what you got is good and i think that's going to change eventually thank you man Jax, it's been a great conversation. Thank you.
2: It's been a pleasure. Seriously. Thank you.
0: Everyone, that's Jax Hollow. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, take care of each other.
1: We'll talk soon.
2: A compromise Ready to slay in your little black dress I know you wanna be